Happy Red Friday, Chiefs Kingdom. We are back for another episode of Let's Chief, presented by E Coffee. Our friends over at E KC Local Coffee Company, always taking care of us in the morning. Visit them at www.eeroastscoffee, where they're bringing you beans from all over the world, roasting them right here in our beautiful Kansas City, Missouri, and then distributing to you wherever you might be. One bag or subscriptions, whatever your preference, they've got you covered. www.eeroastscoffee.com. Trey, we had you back at Arrowhead. We got a lot of fun things planned for this episode. I'm ready to, to talk some red and yellow, buddy. Absolutely, man. It's great to be back. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, it's, it's great to make a, a show based on your football team the week after a win. You know, it must be so <laughs> unfortunate to be a Raiders fan with a podcast trying to talk about your football team when you just consistently don't win. Oh, can you imagine how podcasters in Houston feel? Right, yeah. I mean, obviously they got the World Series. Maybe that was a bad example. No, I mean, I think <laughs> it's a good example if you're talking football, obviously, but uh, not just the win column for Houston, but like all the rest of the stuff that they've had to deal with the last couple of years. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to be back. Um, loved it Sunday. It was a great time, obviously. Um, so, yeah, let's get it, Dan. Yes, sir. The energy was big in Arrowhead. We're going to give it to you here, too. Let's cheat. Down by Kobe in the first queue. Leave it to my homie on the turf, dude. We got Andy reading plays like he's Einstein. We keep dominating, so they put us on at prime time. Now it's Super Bowl season. Everybody in the city already going and believes it like. Chiefs kingdom, bring it home. We going to do it for the city, for the city we love. Yeah. All right, Dan, kicking off the show agenda here. We're going to recap Week 10's game with Jacksonville. We're going to walk around the AFC, kind of take a look at what the AFC is looking, looking like right now. Chiefs injury report, Week 11 preview and storylines. And then obviously we're going to wrap the show up with the Chiefs, key, Chiefs keys to victory this weekend against the L.A. Chargers. All right, so before we jump into the show, I do want to give a highlight to our special guest that's going to be joining us today, Jared Kohler. Sports anchor and producer from KCTV5, if you're watching the local news at about 6.30, would you say? You're going to see my guy up here talking sports. Appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Dan and I go back to our worlds of fun days, so it's a <laughs> long time coming, but here we are a decade or so later talking about the best team in the NFL. It all comes <laughs> full circle, man. I, uh, you know, I, I often think back to those times that at world of fun and all the, all the awesome people I got to meet. And, um, you know, it, it definitely was, was something that was a good decision, you know, getting to, to network and make those lifelong connections. Obviously we both know, know Jay gray. He does the, the intro theme for the, the let's chief show. So, um, a lot of connections and, and, uh, a lot of great people that we were able to meet there for sure. I, it was the peak. It's all down, all downhill from there. Don't get the TV. <laughs> There's worlds of fun being on TV. That's the power ranking. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat the Mamba. I mean, that's uh, that's got to be number one. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you know your journey to get to that point uh, where you're where you're a sports anchor here in Kansas City. Um, I think I've, I've seen you made some other stops along the way. Um, so just kind of tell us a little bit about that journey because I think it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, so from Kansas City, Missouri, born and raised, uh, diehard Chiefs, Royals fan. Um, I went to Staley High School, uh, graduated from there and uh, loved sports and thought, you know, I, I could talk about it. And I, when I heard there was, you could make a living off of that, I said, let's give it a whirl. So I went to <laughs> the Mizzou School of Journalism, graduated from there, and I got my first job as a weekend sports anchor at the ABC station in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I stayed there for a little less than two years, uh, covering the Huskers on uh, the Big Ten and covering high school stuff and all that. And then I got really, really lucky and opportunity came up uh, in Kansas City to come back home. And that was an obvious no brainer. And so now I work at the CBS station here in Kansas City, KCTV5. Um, I'm a sports anchor and producer there. Uh, do a little reporting as well, but you can catch me at 1030 Saturday and Sunday nights when we do our full 30 minute locker room show. But as Dan also said in our newscasts, you know, at five, six and 10 on the weekends during the week, you know, um, just popping up always. So it's been a it's been a fun ride. You get to meet a lot of great people. You get to cover a lot of great things. It's it's a lot of work, you know, here in sports in Kansas City. It's 24 seven. Um, but I'm just really lucky to be uh, here in the hometown with uh, friends, family and, and talking about the teams that I genuinely do love covering and, and genuinely root for on a professional level. But I want them to have success, obviously. So very lucky. Very cool. Very cool. What do you see in the horizon for the professional career? Uh, honestly, kind of staying here. Like, I, you know, maybe third grade Jared would be disappointed that I'm not saying, oh, I want to go to Sports Center or ESPN or something. So <laughs> nobody tell third grade Jared. But, you sure. know, present day, <laughs> present day, you know, I, I love it here in Kansas City and I'm not, uh, you know, climbing the ladder. It's it's something that would be cool. But, you know, if, if you kind of get lost climbing the ladder and you forget to smell the roses along the way, I don't think that's a great way to go about doing things. So right now, just uh, happy to be at this point in my career quicker than I thought would would be reality. And so, yeah, we'll see where things go. But uh, I have no plans on leaving anytime soon, at least on my own accord. So <laughs> sure. that's a great mentality. I've got to appreciate every minute along the way, right? As you as you get to where you ultimately ultimately want to be. And, you know, just to to highlight your, your stop in, in Nebraska, I saw you were a part of a, a salt dogs game. What was that all about? Because I actually used to work for the T-Bones and uh, well, now they're the, the Kansas City Monarchs, as a lot of people know, but um, was able to win a, a championship with those guys. So that was pretty cool. And and the salt dogs were definitely a rival. <laughs> yes. Dan, you made the mistake of bringing up the Lincoln salt dogs, which just opens the door for me to gloat about the highlight of my athletic careers because there was a uh, celebrity media game the Salt Dogs put on and Darren Erstad who sports fans might know that name he was an outfielder who got the last out of a World Series uh, mm -hmm. he was a silver slugger he was uh, I think rookie of the year or something he was the manager of the Husker baseball team and so he was pitching against my team so they gave us the Salt Dog uniforms and everything and I hit two home runs off the guy and uh, hey. and I, being the jackass that I am, I slid into home plate like just the ball was like in left field or whatever. But I slid head first just because I'm like, how many times are you going to hit a home run <laughs> off a former all star? And it like screwed up my knee. I had to go to like urgent care because it was bleeding and all that. But you so totally, worth <laughs> it. totally worth it. So oh, shout, man. Out to shout out the salt dogs. Yes, you got to <laughs> give it the, the Benny, the Jet Rodriguez slide after a, yeah. after a nice homer. 
you would think I was stealing home when reality the ball is nowhere near. So. The ball's gone. Yeah. All style points for the 30 people that were in the, in the crowd. Their jaws were on the floor. <laughs> I love it. So um, starting the show off, uh, first part of the agenda is really to recap week 10. Chiefs took on the Jacksonville Jaguars in our beautiful Arrowhead Stadium. What a game. Chiefs get the win 27 to 17, 10 point win. Jaguars were dogs by nine and a half points. So uh, Chiefs cover in a rare, a rare feat. Yeah, it was a it was a weird game when you think back about it. Like they started with the onside kick, Doug Peterson saying, screw this, Andy. They Tricky. recover it. Uh, but then defense steps up, then they're driving Isaiah Pacheco fumbles. And it's just like, what's going on? Even at the end of the first half, you remember Jody Fortson like fielded the kick return and then fumbled <laughs> it. And the Jags get a it was just a really weird first half, but then you also look up and it's 20 to nothing. Right. Um, and then the Jags kind of bounced back and it, it really didn't feel in doubt, which was kind of nice because you're coming off a Titans game where it was like just brutal to watch all the way sure. through not from a non-entertaining it was just like it was a dog fight like it was physical yeah. it was emotional it felt like a playoff game and so it was kind of nice to have a game where yeah they didn't they didn't blow them out necessarily but I think most Chiefs fans it really wasn't in doubt once they get up a couple of scores the way the defense is playing and so I think it was an enjoyable game for Chiefs fans to watch um, especially when you compare it to some of the other ones that they've had this year which is a little bit higher on the heart rate scale Absolutely. Yeah. I completely forgot about the outside kick at the beginning um, <laughs> until you said that actually. Weird game. Uh, Pacheco, the Pacheco fumble, um, classic Andy Reid fashion, you know, next drive comes out and he's the first one to get the football. The so fiends yeah, up. that was nice to see. And that always seems to bring the guys back into the game and kind of levels the head and okay, we're back on the game. Um, I got a job to do. Let's get back after it. So um, yeah, that was, that was good to see. Especially yeah absolutely i think rookie. go ahead yeah, just especially for a rookie i think that's the sure. it's easy you know a veteran you might have their trust saying hey we're going back to you like Jarrett mckinney might not have to worry about fumbles but pacheco hasn't proven anything and so to go back yeah. to him right it's classic injury it was definitely uh it was definitely nice to not have to sweat it out as hard as you have i feel like not even just the last game against the Titans. It, it's felt like every game has been an uphill battle for the Chiefs. Everyone's just giving us their best shot, which is what you expect whenever you're, you know, a Super Bowl contender and one of the favorites um, to win to win the thing. I feel like any team, and, and we saw it when we played in Indianapolis in week week three. Uh, we saw it when the Chargers came to town, when the Raiders came to town. They were up 17 points at one point. So it's just, that's the way I think it's going to be you know, for any team that we play is it's, it's going to have that playoff atmosphere because they want it bad. They want to, they want to dethrone the, you know, the champs, so to speak. Yep. Well, and they're, they're used to coming from behind. So it's not something that, you know, I'm sure they'd like to not have to do that. And they didn't against the Jags. They took the lead, but you know, and many times this year they've opened up with the deficit and then couldn't overcome against the Colts, but it's kind of in their DNA at this point for how many years in the same kind of core with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and you read that they get down and it doesn't really matter. And that's something that, you know, we don't want to take for granted. And it's something that this team isn't phased by, even if, you know, yeah, they're going to get a team's best shot, but until it's close to being over, they still think they're going to win. And that's a unique thing. Love it. Yep. They're uh, they got a, they got a tough spirit. That's for sure. Resilient. 
Uh, some co- some cool things happen in this game. I mean, on top of us getting the win, of course, uh, Kadarius Tony catches his first NFL touchdown pass. Um, been in the league for a year and a half at this point uh, with the Giants and first first touchdowns with Kansas City. But also Patrick Mahomes throwing four touchdowns. That was enough to surpass the previous record for most touchdowns by a quarterback in the first 75 games, which was held by uh, Dan Marino. I think the the interesting point here is that Patrick Mahomes did it in three less games. Same with yards. Just the last week he passed for most passing yards through a player's first 75 games passing Matt Stafford, and he did it in 71 games. So he's, I mean, and and it'll be that way when it reaches the 100-game mark, 115, (laughs) like however far we go up. I mean, when he's playing at this level, it's just rewrite the history books for until, until he's at the top of everything. Yep. He's putting up numbers, that's for sure. Now, Harrison Butker, I do want to get your your take on him as well because he's definitely shown some struggles. Uh, I, I, we know he's money outside of 50, but once you get him inside that uh, that 49 to, I guess, hard range and even extra points, we start to we start to get some whiffs and some uh, some misses there. I'm glad you brought this up because this is an exclusive stat. This hasn't hit the airwaves or the Twitter webs or anything, but I did this yesterday. We have seen 126 missed kicks across the NFL this year. 126, all right? That's 87 missed field goals, 39 missed extra points across the NFL. That now, I don't have that compared to like the rate in past years, but right, like that's a lot, all right? That's oh, It seems high. Yeah, yeah. So I, I bring that up twofold. One say, yeah, I mean, Harrison Butker has not been, I mean, hindering this year is one of the most, accurate kickers percentage-wise in the history of the NFL. He's not been at the level the Chiefs or fans want this year. That's obvious. But when you compare him to the rest of the league right now, outside of maybe Justin Tucker, everybody's missing kicks. Matt Amendola was terrible. Even Matthew Wright made a 59-yarder, but he missed kicks. Like, I don't think it's reality in today's NFL to expect perfection out of the kicking position. I don't know why. I mean, obviously, they moved the field goal, the extra point, back a few years ago so that's going to create more misses but even across the board like it it feels like compared to 10 15 years ago when everything was automatic but it's just not automatic right now across the NFL and so it's we're kind of in that weird spot where fans they always expect anything under 55 yards like oh he should make it sure I don't know if that's a fair expectation anymore it's a great thing to hope but I just don't think I don't think that's reality it sucks but it definitely has made it a little more. I think that a lot of that has what is a, a key factor into how close these Chiefs games have been, um, because it always happens at the most inopportune ta- time. Now that stat that you brought up, I'd be interested to see how many of those kicks took place in games that were close, whether the over or the under, you know, was was maybe a half point off (laughs) because I don't like to be that conspiracy theory guy, but this is the first year that the NFL has taken on a partner. That's a sports book. And we're just seeing, I mean, officiating, obviously you never want to see it called against your team, but that's another one of those components. I think has been kind of wacky this year where refs seem, I don't know if I'm just taking a bath at the sports books, (laughs) but refs just seem to be calling things a little bit more inopportune or maybe a little less consistent than what I've seen. Usually I have seen more of the damn ref patting his top of his head with the illegal man down. (laughs) 
feel like any and i think that's such a dumb call it's like right. yeah. oh like in the chiefs bills game like they called they took away a big gain uh to mvs because creed humphrey had like a foot one yard downfield who cares like why right. is that such a role and the fact that now they're enforcing it like i don't know if they just want to be more emotional and they're just <clears> doing that all day but like I think that's a better example because the refs aren't held as accountable as kickers. I don't, I don't think there's much conspiracy theory to the kicker stuff because like these guys, they know how short the lifespan is of a kicker and like their career and their money's on the line. It's kind of like when people get on players for not returning from injury, especially when it's like their contract's not guaranteed. Like in baseball, Alberto Montesu for the Royals gets a lot of criticism because he's always hurt. Well, people don't realize that, yeah, he wants to play because he makes a lot more money if he plays. He's under arbitration. So, like, it's not like he's getting $10 million and just missing out. He hadn't signed a big contract. Same with kickers. Like, Matt Amendola wanted nothing more than to make every kick so that even though when Harrison Butker comes back, he gets on another team. Same with Butker. I I don't think there's something to that. But to the refs, yeah, they can take a hike with the roughing the passer calls and stuff. I'm with you there. (laughs) I think the uh, just to go back on your point about the in, uh, ineligible man downfield, if they were really going to hinder the play in any way, shape, or form, you would just call offensive pass interference. Yeah. So if they're just down there, I mean, I don't really see the the impact that it has on the play outside of maybe you know they set up a block a little bit further right, down the field, right, right. but you know at the same time defensive backs are a lot faster than those big uglies that are that are in the trenches you know they can get around those guys i think a little bit easier and and make those tackles in those instances yeah i think if you're setting up a screen for a block you want to be closer to the receiver yeah so i I think there's got to be some context there too right if it's a if it's a 60 yard pass and creed humphrey is four yards down the field like he there's no impact on the play right so yeah i think yeah that, that we're right on on top of it there and for the nfl to pick and choose when or what penalties they want to enforce this year and uh, when they want to enforce them that's kind of shady um i'm not going to go down my roger goodell rant here um i, I seem to <laughs> it seems to uh come on each week now instead of every other week but uh um yeah i i kind of wish you didn't bring up the uh the gambling side of things and getting meddled into the nfl with uh, the conspiracy theory there because <laughs> now that's all i'm gonna think about I'm it's gonna, just an angle yeah yeah <laughs> but uh I, I mean to keep the show rolling here running game kind of gets going a little bit um and we see that really without ceh he only plays four snaps in the game against jacksonville so it kind of of a surprising um attack there from andy reed and his offense um, not surprising at the same time when Pacheco got the start a couple weeks ago, um, his first start over CEH and, uh, Andy Reid was uh, saying that he just wants to get the, get the rookie in and see what he's got to go, uh, see what he has to offer to the offense as a starter. So, um, what's your take on CEH only playing four, four snaps on the offense? I am not as big of a Clyde Edwards Elaire hater as many people because I think he's gotten judged on a different scale just because of his draft position. And he's been a very disappointing first round draft pick, which really is like a second round. I mean, he's the last pick in that year's draft. So, but um, so that's where I'm not as hard because it's like I, I get it. I'm really curious to see this upcoming week and really the week after that because. I think you can make a case like, yeah, it's a matchup thing. It's a one game thing. They wanted to see how it goes. He still played a little bit. Um, 
But if he doesn't play much against the Chargers, if he doesn't play much against the Rams, then I think it's really something to it. So it's kind of like a wait and see. It's it's a cop-out answer. Like, what do I predict? I predict he'll still play, get some more snaps. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the days of him being the dominant number one running back, I, I don't think those are around. But I don't know how often that's been the case either because last year in the playoff, Jarrett McKinnon had a huge role, right. mainly in the passing game. But I don't know if it's ever really been he's way head and shoulders the number one back. but. I think there's a role for all three of them in the offense, um, especially because they're all three kind of, well, I shouldn't say Pacheco, I guess McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are kind of injury prone. And so I don't know if you want to have them really having a large workload. So it's kind of wait and see thing, but listen, yeah, if Pacheco plays like he did against the Jags and doesn't fumble, um, you know, I, I still think there's some vision issues there. Um, I don't think sure. he hits the hole as well as you would like, but he's got all the physical tools and the speed and the burst that's definitely there. So it's kind of a wait and see thing. No, I, I was actually going to bring up that Jared McKinnon point. They they are injury prone, especially Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The last two seasons, he's been a part of this Chiefs offense. We've seen him uh, miss some considerable time and, and uh, you know, definitely definitely on a different scale as far as how he's being evaluated. Uh, that first round pick, you oh, got yeah. that yep. fifth year option. Uh, there's a lot of decisions that the front office has to make with that particular player and the fans know it, right? Anyone watching the Chiefs and following the Chiefs knows what, Kansas City has to make a decision on so you know it's just about uh you know you, you just hope that whenever we do get him involved in the offense again that he most of his opportunities I think he definitely is uh kind of unfairly judged in a way I mean it's it's the reality of the business you know he gets first rounders get paid more than second and third rounders and they right. got him yep. instead of other guys so I get it but it we're kind of at the point where I think that you root for your opinion. Like that's what you always got to be careful for. Like if you think Clyde Edwards Alaire was a bad pick, like and Isaiah Pacheco's in the seventh round, you're like great steal, you know, trying to judge them and evaluate them for what they actually are rather than what your preconceived notions were. That's always the thing you got to catch yourself. But I mean, listen, he's a first round pick. That's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And, and the criticism is to a degree fair. Absolutely. And then final thing, final point for uh, for Sunday's game. And this is kind of a big one. Juju Smith-Schuster takes a pretty nasty hit, kind of left him knocked out. And now he's in the concussion protocol. Flag gets thrown. Officials pick up the flag. Uh, Kind of a a questionable thing there. What are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, I just seen I've seen officials pick up flags. For things that are much less egregious than what I saw in that particular instance. Um, so it was definitely a surprise, I think, for for us. And you could hear it in Arrowhead that everyone else was yeah. displeased and surprised. No, I mean, it's frustrating to see because this year there's been more spotlight on uh, the refs and penalties with roughing the passer calls where quarterbacks, in order to sack them, you got to pick them up, you got to lay them down, put a pillow on their head, put the blanket. <laughs> Uh, but then with other players, they don't get the same protections. Now that I get is true. Like no wide receiver doesn't deserve the same protection as a quarterback in the pocket. But if a quarterback got remotely hit anywhere near that level, I mean, that guy is ejected for, for the next four games. So sure, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's more frustrating to watch. I empathize with defenders because the game is changing and you can't hit as hard or you have to hit a certain way. So I, I do think defenders are in a tough spot, but I, I just think you got to kind of judge the game on an equal playing field as best you can. And right now I think we're a little disproportionate and like, 
I don't think 10 years ago that hit on Juju Smith-Schuster is as big of a deal as it is now just because the way the game's being officiated, which right. as long as they're consistent, that's fine. Like if that's how you want to, you know, do the game, player safety, I'm okay with that, honestly. Like it limit concussions, great. Like I'm fine with that. I don't have to, like some people are like, oh, my favorite part is when a guy just gets lit up. Like, yeah, that's cool, but I don't need that to enjoy football. Um, so as long as they're on a level playing field, I think that's kind of more what fans want. And I think on Sunday, you saw that an example of it not. Yeah. And then on, on Sunday night football, we saw another hit like that with, with Justin Herbert. Uh, he becomes a runner in this instance and, you know, Greenlaw of the 49ers hits him and, and he gets ejected for that kind of hit. But earlier in the game, we saw Eckler take a similar hit and no flag, no, no anything. And then on Monday night football to, to touch on your point about the game speed and the way that these defenders have to slow down on a whim, or, you know, they think uh, you can just stop your full speed full sprint right in and at a moment's notice um Heineke kneels and gives himself up yeah. and Brandon Graham tries to slow himself down and rolls into him um flag and the game's over right. so I mean these yep. uh these the way these games are being officiated is definitely um impacting the end result and you know the consistency is a huge piece for sure yeah that's what I was going to double tap on was the the consistency piece right so um not only between each game are they inconsistent but it's each week and each crew that's that's officiating each game is different each each week. So it, it's really tough. I understand that that's probably a, a very tough job to get right every week. And uh, but at the same time, um, it's it's got to be solved. It's got to be fixed because what we're, what we're seeing right now is not going to work out. And if we see teams like I mean, let's say Chiefs are the one seed playing the two uh, bill seed, or Buffalo Bills at the two seed at Arrowhead um, last weekend of January. And there's a, a really bad call made with two minutes left in the game and we lose the game because of it. That's going to change everything, right? And, and then hopefully, you know, the NFL would take a look at making some changes at that point. But at that point, it's too late, right? So um, I think you got to take a look at what we're seeing now and try to make some changes now. And, and maybe they are. Um, but we haven't seen anything improve, that's for sure. So speaking of Chiefs and Bills, let's take a, a peek around the AFC and kind of talk about what's going on, uh, not just in the AFC West, but as a whole. You know, we've seen <clears throat> we actually, as Chiefs fans, had a really good week with uh, with our opponents and watching teams like the Chargers, Broncos, Raiders and Bills all drop games. Key ones at that. So AFC West right now, Chiefs sit atop. The AFC West, we are facing the Chargers, who are two and a half games behind us. We currently hold that tiebreaker. Broncos at three and six, Raiders at two and seven. Everyone was hyping them up. Everyone was hyping up all these guys trying to catch up to the Chiefs. Uh, what was your thoughts coming in? I mean, I, I was sold on all the moves these guys were making. I thought uh, outside of the Broncos, I thought these the Chargers and the Raiders made big steps to kind of catch up, catch up to us, not catch us. Um, but still, uh, a lot of disappointment in in our division outside of Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most surprising thing is that it's across the board. Just from a sheer numbers standpoint, the odds of all four AFC West teams, you know, finishing above 500, you know, that could happen, but it's it's slim, you know, because you're playing each other. And so I I didn't know who, like, if you asked me to predict, I think it's more a shot in the dark, like, okay, are the Raiders going to be the worst, Broncos, Chargers? Um, so I'm not surprised necessarily like one or even two of the teams. I think it's the fact that all three 
uh, are very disappointing. That's what right. nobody factored yep. in that. Like that's not friendly fire. That's losing teams you shouldn't lose to. Um, and so I think the Chargers are the best of the bunch because really they've been hurt the most by injuries. But even then, I mean, Justin Herbert's just not a winning quarterback to this point in his career. And so until he proves that, um, you know, expecting him to take a big leap forward could be asking a lot. Agreed. No, I, I think I agree with the same same point there. Um, looking at the schedule, I was like, man, I you know, I couldn't tell you who's going to be um, who's going to be top out of the Chiefs. And I think Dan made a good point there that every team in our division, you know, caught up to us. It's not it's not the Chiefs falling back in the AFC West, right? So they were trying to catch up to us, and I think we've proved now that they're still trying to do that, right? So. Um, a lot of a lot of progress needs to be made in LA, Denver, and Vegas to even come remotely close to what the Chiefs are doing. But um, thoughts on you know other teams around the AFC? Let's let's say Bills, Ravens, uh, Bengals. You know what what are your thoughts on how how things are rolling for the rest of the AFC? Yeah, I think the Bills are the best of the bunch out of out of that group that you listed, but. Um, I don't think they should be on a pedestal that is as high as maybe a lot of people want them to be on. Um, I think we've seen some of their flaws, which similar to the chargers are injury based, like how banged up is Josh Allen? How much does that impact him? Um, then they've had a lot of injuries on defense as well. So I think you can make the case that, Hey, at their best, at their healthiest, the bills are the best in the AFC. But what you got to keep in mind is that that doesn't mean anything other than saying, oh, what could have, should have been. Chiefs very well could and should have beat the Bucs in Super Bowl 55 if they didn't have my grandma out on the offensive line. But injuries <laughs> are a part of the game. And so that's what, like, is it unfair? Yeah. Like, I'm sure Bills fans are saying, if we were healthy, we're going to win these games. And in the playoffs, maybe they will be, and maybe they'll win a Super Bowl. But um, really in the NFL, it's, it's about peaking at the right time. And a lot of that has to do with being healthy at the right time. And so we'll just have to see who the healthier team is come the playoffs. And um, similar with the, with the way the Bengals were, I know the chiefs, that's a disappointing part from last year is that the chiefs really had health on their side for the most yep. part. I, every team has injuries, but they didn't have the massive blow like some do. So um, we'll just kind of see how it factors out, but that's a massive storyline watching to watch going forward is, can the Chiefs just not suffer big injuries? Yeah, no, that's that's a huge piece of it. You know, you mentioned the Bills. They've lost. I mean, they are just getting back an all-pro corner in Tredavious White. They lost both of their safeties at various points throughout the season, including Micah Hyde for, for the year. Um, and then their linebackers and their and their defensive line, I think Greg Rousseau missed some time. He's going to miss some time next week too. Uh, so there's a lot of pieces on that Bills defense that have really – you know, dropped off. And, you know, as much as you look at the injury report, you got to look at Josh Allen's turnovers over the last three weeks. He's thrown six interceptions and lost a fumble. Is it the UCL? You know, what is it going on there? We don't know. But I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you're looking at the AFC as a whole. Obviously, the Dolphins are another key team in the AFC. They currently sit atop the AFC East, which is one of the, the better divisions. We thought the AFC West right. was going to yep. be the crown jewel um, of a powerhouse conference. That is the AFC. Uh, turns out it is it is the AFC East that's doing better. Um, but if you're a Chiefs fan, what you got to look at and, and be so excited about is that all these teams, they brought in all this talent to try and catch to, to the Chiefs and we're we're fielding all of these young players, um, not just on on offense, 
or I'm sorry, not just on um, offense. Yeah. But, but defense as well, defense, especially, um, you know, is, a, is a very young unit, one of the younger ones in the NFL. And we're just seeing these guys gel together with all of these new starters. And, and you get a year of that experience under their belt together as a, as teammates going into next year, we could see the chiefs take another huge leap forward yeah. and, um, it's hard to imagine what that would look like considering the success we've already, we've already seen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's type of thing where when you think about the future, it's always, I think you think about what can be, but you also, that's why I just bring back injuries. Like when like Trent McDuffie looked really good against Jacksonville and you saw he missed a number of games coming in you may count on somebody taking that step forward, but all of a sudden if say you lose Nick Bolton, then it looks a lot different. And so that's just, it's always, whenever you're healthy, you got to make the most of your opportunities because you never know how long your window in the NFL is, but no, I, I think it's a very promising defense. And, and I don't think it's a requirement any longer to have experience in order to make a deep playoff run. Maybe in order to win the Super Bowl, you have to, but like the Bengals had no experience last year. They went to the Super Bowl chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in his first year, almost went to the Super Bowl. And so that's where, you know, when I think of the Dolphins, I'm like, well, first year head coach, first year wide receiver and Tyreek Hill there with the new system to a tug of Loa hasn't done it like, but you know, I, I don't think they have to have that big game experience in order to have success in the playoffs. It'll be something interesting to watch for. Yeah, sure. That's a good point. Um, rolling in right into the team news now. So let's start off with the injuries here. Um, obviously, we've already talked about Juju. He's going to work his way through the concussion protocols. Um, Chris Lamont is in the same boat with concussion protocols. Uh, we kind of picked it up a little bit this week as far as uh, how many players we have um, on the injury report. So um, that's unfortunate. We did see uh, McCall Hardman miss his first game in his career. So he's um, actually been activated for his whole career while he's played for the Chiefs. Um, missed that game last week against Jacksonville for Abdominan. Abdominan. And then uh, Andrew Wiley, um, elbow sprain, which, um, you know, as you look into the league with your linemen, your your linemen that go out on injuries, you know, that always has a bigger impact than what you think, right? You always think about the big-time players. Um, you think, you know, Pat Mahomes, if he gets injured, right, obviously that's going to be a big one. Not a very good example there. But, uh, you know, your skilled players is who you're looking at for, for injuries. But – um, the depth at the line is a big deal, and uh, we saw that kind of cripple the Chiefs in the past couple of years ago against uh, Tom Brady. But a couple more guys, uh, Blake Bell is still on the IR, Lucas Nang, I'm on the pub list. And uh, But good news going into this week, Frank Clark is back off of his suspension, so um, that will give us some more depth there on the edge rush. Yeah. And just touching back on Blake Bell and Lucas Niang, they, they could be activated this week. So not only would the, they both be coming back um, given Wiley's status and we don't know what's going on with him. I, I haven't seen anything on an, on his MRI uh, with the elbow, <clears throat> but you know, Niang could be coming, coming back. We could see uh, Prince uh, Tego Wanago come back in and, and play at the, at the right tackle spot. He actually didn't do all that bad against Jacksonville. And then, you know, Frank Clark coming back on the active roster as well. I'm interested to see how we're going to shuffle around this roster. Usually we're pretty good at elevating guys and bringing them back down to the practice squad. And Andy Reid works his magic on who's going to be inactive and active and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but 
I think with this influx of uh, of players, it's it's going to cause us to make maybe some tougher decisions. I got a little distracted there, Dan, when you accurately pronounced Prince Tega Wanago. I don't even know if I would say his name right, but you just rolled right through it. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of options that it's kind of like musical chairs in a lot of different ways. When you think about the depth of the team, both on the offensive line where you got Prince coming in, and the, the Lucas Niang part is interesting to me because he's either going to come back these next two weeks or he's going to essentially be out for the year. And so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to. And, and I, that's a point I hadn't thought about. And that right tackle position is, I mean, so important. Um, right. And I don't know if like Nick Allegretti can play, like, I wonder what their backup backup plan is. Um and that's obviously something that you, you don't want to see and we're past the trade deadline. And so right. that's what with, with, with the injuries, but the musical chairs with the offensive line, but also with the wide receiver room, like McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster missed most of the game and Patrick Mahomes still threw, threw for 330 yards. And yeah, Tony in his second game with the Chiefs had a great game. It's like the depth of the wide receiver position is insane. The depth of the defensive line is insane. Not with like, Hall of Famers, but Frank Clark missed two games and the pass rush still okay. George Karloftis is knocking down balls. Um, Colin Saunders is CEO of Stuff Nation now. He's played well and he's been helping. <laughs> they have like, they have interesting depth, not as much as I think you would like to where it's like, you can just blow over an injury and be fine yeah. with it. But I think in a lot of, I think the main area to watch is secondary, especially with them trading Rashad Fenton. I don't think they can afford another injury. No offense to DiCaprio Boodle. Um, that's a name I can say. That's but, a good one. <laughs> I, think, I don't think they're depth. I, I think that's the area I'd be most worried about. Like if I saw Legeria Sneed down on the field, saw Trent McDuffie down on the field, that is where I would be most worried outside of Mahomes and Kelsey is anybody in the secondary because they're young, they're inexperienced, and they don't have a lot of depth there. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. Yep. Just looking at that musical chairs offensive line, I think that's a really good analogy for it because i could absolutely see us you know maybe we shuffled joe tooney out yep. to the right tackle yep. we saw yep. we saw him play in that cincinnati Bengals game when you know orlando brown went down last year during the pregame warm-up and maybe we move allegretti to a spot he's more comfortable with at uh at left guard or even you know right guard and shift trey smith over i know andy reed super creative um andy heck the offensive line coach there, great at developing talent and getting people in a place where they're going to play to their strengths. Um, so I think at the end of the day, we can we can have faith in the Chiefs coaching staff that has, you know, kind of brought us this far to this point. Real quick, before we move into um, our Week 11 game preview for Sunday football against the, the Chargers, obviously you can't ignore it. If you go on social media, you're going to see Odell Beckham Jr., the looming decision. What are your thoughts on, uh, the Chiefs bringing him in, and do you think that would be a good move for us if we did bring him in? I mean, after – so when they traded for Kadarius Tony, I thought his impact would be greatest the next two seasons and that they could then afford to let McCole Hardman and or Juju Smith-Schuster walk because they're both free agents after this year. So I thought it was a move really pointed more toward the future and the impact that he made kind of by necessity with like – 
uh, McCall Hardman missing his first game and, and Juju getting hurt, but the impact he made that he was able to at least run the offense to a degree and still have some kind of connection with Patrick Mahomes, not to where he's going to be, you know, the number one receiver, but he can get on the field and he can produce. I think that really solves a lot of the depth issues in that you don't need Sky Moore to initially step up as he's definitely going through the learning curve. So I don't think they by any means need OBJ to the point where you would overpay for him. Like if he's, if, if it gets to a bidding war where another team is wanting to give him more than you think he's worth, I, I, I don't think you need to overpay. I think you, you know, when you traded Tyreek Hill, you kind of reset your cap situation. And I don't think he's the type of player that you're like, okay, let's, let's break the bank to a degree. I know he's not going to get a ton of money, but I think you got to be strict in, in your resources and thinking, okay, in the off season, we're going to have to pay a number of guys. You're talking about a, probably a contract extension for Chris Jones. Cause he's going to have a new one coming up here. Frank Clark's a free agent. So, or not a free agent, but you're probably going to have to cut Frank Clark. So he doesn't cost as much. And then you need defensive line help. Orlando Brown's going to want to get paid. So you're probably going to left tackle. I mean, there's a lot of financial decisions that I wouldn't want to be putting a lot of money on the books for a player that you don't necessarily need, or that won't necessarily be a difference maker. And so that's where I would have to say, say that I'm more on the anti sign OBJ train. However, if they do sign them, that means they got a plan. They can make it work and that it'll be all right. So then I reserve the right to say, all right, it's going to work. But at the moment, <laughs> the trust in Veach play. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always a good, uh, a good safety net security blanket. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Odell Beckham Jr. on last week's episode of Let's Chief with one of our other guests, uh, Gabe Totten. Appreciate you coming on again, Gabe. Um, but <clears throat> it was, it's one of those things where I think we're going to be having to do a lot of roster shuffling and maybe cutting a guy out that could be making a huge impact on the team um, for, you know, something that maybe isn't quite as much of a gain as what we, what we might be thinking with a name like right, Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. He is coming off an ACL. It's a second one in the last three years. I mean, that's, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of adversity to overcome to say the least. Now, if there's any player that can do it, maybe it is Odell Beckham jr. He's a fantastic player. Dude works hard. And, you know, he, he obviously was a difference maker for that Rams team last year that, that hoisted the Lombardi. But <clears throat> for, for us as Kansas city chiefs fans, I don't think we should be banking on it. And I'm hundred percent with you. If, if there's an opportunity for us to move forward without having Odell Beckham jr. On the roster, I don't think it's going to cost us anything. So before we go into the week 11 preview, we're going to give a quick shout out to CS Designs, the presenting sponsor for our NFL episodes that drop every Wednesday. Corey Sanders always takes care of us in the graphics game when we're putting out any kind of digital content from our social medias. He always takes care of us in that realm. www.coreysandersdesigns.com. That's C-O-R-Y SandersDesigns.com. Visit his website to see all the different services he offers for different companies or brands or anything out there to, to convey that message to your target audience. So it's videography, photography, graphic design, web design, and so much more. The dude is the Swiss army knife of digital content. You can see what he does for this company's at CS Designs official. And again, that's www.coreysandersdesigns.com.
All right, back in for week 11 preview. We will be making our way out to L.A. playing the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Sunday Night Football, the game gets flexed. I'm excited for this divisional matchup. Yeah, I think it's a big one. Obviously, Chargers, anytime, you know, we talked about on Fastest 40 earlier this week, um, anytime you get um, these two quarterbacks going up against each other, it's going to be a fun one to watch, right? So um, just to jump into the Chargers last week against San Fran, um, they did lose that game 22-16, um, held an early lead, could not score in the second half. So I think that's a big point, um, you know, a lot of tape that we're going to take from um, the San Fran game, looking at how we're going to game plan for that uh, for that game this weekend. But um, still no Keenan Allen or Mike Williams for the Chargers last week, which is kind of a question mark going into Sunday Night Football this week. Um, both those guys could be back. They could get one of them back. Um, I haven't really heard as of right now. Um, as we sit here today, it, it's Tuesday. So obviously, you know, there might be more information by Friday uh, when the show drops. But um, yeah, so big question mark right now. Yeah, I mean, anyone that follows the NFL knows that Friday practice is a big one uh, for whether or not a player is going to play on on Sunday. And, uh, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they'd be big difference makers for that for that offense. It would definitely open things up for Austin Eckler a little bit more. And, uh, you know, (laughs) hopefully the Chiefs can grab that tape from San Francisco and replicate a lot of that defense, like you said. But if those guys come back, you know, we may have to um, take a peek at some of those earlier, earlier games for for the Chargers this season. Um, a couple of storylines. We mentioned it earlier. Frank Clark is coming back from the suspension. But, um, you know, Mike. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, all big question marks coming in. Uh, how big of an impact do you think they make they would make on this game, Jared, if they are not on the field? Well, it's a different ball game because the Chargers kind of slowed down the Chiefs uh, for a lot of their first meeting at Arrowhead earlier this year. Um, but that's kind of just been the Chargers Chiefs MO. If if you look back, and I know it's different quarterbacks, different head coaches through the years, but like the last five Chiefs victories, uh, you know, in San Diego or LA have all been comeback victories. They had to come from behind. I, I think it's something about the juice of going out to the West Coast. It's a divisional uh rival. And um, and so I think that's kind of the expectation. I wouldn't be shocked if they dig themselves an early hole, but I don't think the Chargers have the horses to ride with Kansas City right now on either side of the ball. Um, and Eric Bieniemy quote like a month ago is is that all teams everybody seems to get healthy for the Chiefs. So I I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if yeah you see Keenan Allen, you see Mike Mike Williams, you see Joey Bosa, um, but even then it's their first game back, and you have to wonder how much of a limited. Uh, snap count they're going to be on what's their chemistry level going to be on Justin Herbert's been banged up all year long uh, he really took a beating when the Chiefs played him at Arrowhead Chiefs got after the passer a lot so I expect that same time of formula you know the old adage is that it's tough to beat a team twice in one year but the Chiefs have done that very frequently in the AFC West so I don't know <laughs> how true that is but I think the sentiment is accurate the last two games in LA have gone to overtime kind of a weird series like Last year, Travis Kelsey's walk-off touchdown in L.A., and that crazy what a game. In the year before that, Justin Herbert's first career game, he comes in because Tyrod Taylor got hurt right before the game, and uh, Harrison Butker kicked a game-winning field goal three different times. They kept moving him back. <laughs> so it's and that was in an empty SoFi stadium, and so I expect another down-to-the-wire game just because you see that a lot in the NFL, and I, I don't think either team is, is bad, but – it's a crucial game because if it, it's a big game for Chiefs fans' uh, mental state because if you beat the Chargers in this, 
the division is pretty much wrapped up. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so just not having to worry about that, having a greater margin for error so that you can just focus on the bills and the dolphins. I think Chiefs fans would appreciate that. Not having to worry about, Oh, if, if we drop a game and then the Chargers, cause you also lose the tiebreaker if it's one and one here. So getting out of the Chargers, putting the AFC West firmly in the rear view mirror, like we all think it is, I think would go a long way there. No, I, I love that you brought that up. So that was really the next point. You know, currently we hold that two and a half game, that two and a half game lead that we mentioned earlier. We get the win over the Chargers. We're sitting at three and a half games with the tiebreaker solidified. And uh, it's just time to focus on the Bengals after that, right? That'll be that next big AFC showdown that we have to worry about. Um, so there's a lot of pieces there for sure. I, anytime you start to doubt Harrison Butker, think of what Jared just said about the three game-winning field goals that he kicked in a row. Well, there's uh, that, and he's, or what have you. He's had three career kicks with the Chiefs season on the line. New England AFC Championship game to send it overtime. Patrick's first year. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bills 13 second game. Uh, this past year where that was 13 seconds. Uh, it's Kelsey, you know, calling saying, do it, Kelsey, do it. But then Buckner makes <laughs> it against the Bengals. He also sent it over time. So three kicks, the chief season online, he's come through. That's where I still have confidence. But I mean, yeah, listen, he's, he's a little banged up. And it's not working this year. Trivia question for you guys. While we're talking about at the chargers, only three chiefs players have scored touchdowns at SoFi stadium, actually not Patrick Mahomes. So uh, three chiefs players, Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill. And who is the only other chief? To score a touchdown in so far. Oh man. So Travis Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill, you mentioned. If I had to guess, it's probably someone like Mike Burton. Wow. Wow. First <laughs> <away. Nice. laughs> His only touchdown in a Chiefs uniform was a seven yard uh, run, the Chiefs' first score of last year's. Uh, primetime game so there you go was that the, the sofi thursday that. night football game last year i was yep Chiefs yep. got up then they got down um uh, came back. <laughs> I think had a two-point conversion catch but uh <laughs> doesn't count i have an admission i have an admission i was at the game I was okay at the SoFi game. <laughs> all right hey either way it counts he's not yeah, someone yeah. that uh he's, he's under the radar <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you props that's impressive. Hey, I had to dig deep because I yeah. definitely had a few uh soda pops that game for sure. Yeah, I'll just got, I just got one more that's on top of mind since they played the Jags this past Sunday. Okay, if you think back, Andy Reid's first game as Chiefs head coach was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They won 28 to 2 in Jacksonville. Alex Smith was the quarterback. Jamal Charles scored uh one of the four touchdowns, okay? Can you name now? This is there's no way you guys get this. All right. Can you <laughs> any, any of the three other Chiefs who scored a touchdown in Andy Reid's first game as Chiefs head coach? I'll guess one first and I'll pass it over to you. I'm gonna go with Albert Wilson. It's a good guess. That is incorrect. <laughs> Albert Wilson. I'm trying to think who our skilled players were. One uh, let's say one came from defense or special teams. Very that you are accurate. There's a defensive player on this list. Yes. Okay. No. Okay. Good call. <laughs> uh, who that was? I don't know. That honestly makes it even more tougher now. That does. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't do it. Was it DJ justice. Derek Johnson? Is he the guy? He's not the guy. Ah. I'm going with Jeremy Macklin for another guess. Ooh, not a bad guess. Uh, he was. 
uh, he was not on the team at that point. He's the reason ah. he came after the year where they didn't have a uh, touchdown to a wide receiver. To a, yep, that's right. Let's get J-Mac in. No, the – uh, you, go ahead. People don't realize that we used to have a hard time being Chiefs fans, okay? <laughs> there used to be some bizarre things. We had some tough, tough losses before we got Mahomes and company. <laughs> I, I remember the Tyler Thigpen game well when he caught a touchdown pass from Mark Bradley, and I was five and <laughs> Shout out to 2007 Chiefs, whatever that was. Love uh, it. Not to so not to keep you waiting. The the answer for the three and the 28 to two win. You had Jamal Charles. You have Donnie Avery. Donnie Avery, Rams yeah, receiver, turn cheap. Junior Junior Hemingway. Kind of oh my gosh! And uh, the defender won Tomba Holly. So yeah. Oh right. Tomba. Was it a uh, was it a scoop and score? Was it a pick six? I I think it was a pick six. I'm not. Uh, I'm not confident that, but I believe so. Could be okay. <laughs> wow, Tom Valley. You, you want to say, you know, name any obscure Chiefs player? Junior Hemingway might be at the top of the list, <laughs> like right next to Junior Sabai, <laughs> which yeah, he was one of our first round picks a long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, wow. So. Before we uh, wrap the show, we do want to talk about some keys to victory for uh, Sunday night football against the Chargers. I think one of the big keys is to not allow Austin Eckler to run all over us. Obviously, Austin Eckler is super dangerous in the red zone. If he gets to the red zone, that's almost an automatic touchdown for the tar man, Austin Eckler. So that's another piece. we got to contain them when they get inside the 20. And then get that pass rush going. Uh, we, we've been able to generate pressures. That's not the problem. It's actually finishing the pressure and getting the sack on the play. If we're able to make Herbert uncomfortable the same way that we did when we played them on Sunday night football or, or Thursday night football earlier this season, I think we'll have a really good chance to uh, lock up the AFC West, as we kind of already talked about. Um, just kind of looking at those three points containing Eckler, controlling him in the red zone and getting that pass rush going. Is there anything that you would, you would add to that list? Well, I mean, Justin Herbert, he can beat you any, you can get pressure on him and he still can make a crazy throw, but he can also make mistakes. So I think winning the turnover battle, because you look at when Justin Herbert beat the chiefs at Arrowhead last year, the chiefs had four turnovers and they still almost won, but that's it. If you tell me how did the chiefs lose this game? Well, I think they lose have a couple turnovers and Justin Herbert takes care of the ball. So to avoid losing, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. If you can pick them off once, if you can get a, a fumble on a sack, and if you can avoid the Isaiah Pacheco fumble, if you can avoid a fluky interception like Patrick has had a couple this year, I think I think that's what it comes down to. Because if if the turnover battle is even, or even especially if you win the turnover battle, I think the Chargers are going to have a hard time. Um, really finishing off the Chiefs, knowing knowing what we know. Yeah, good point. Good point. So, final questions here, Jerry. We want to wrap the show up with a couple personal questions here. Uh, favorite <laughs> Kansas City sports memory? Any time of your life. We've had some good ones these last ten years. So, yeah, I would have to go with uh, the 2014 Royals wild card game victory over the mm. at Kauffman Stadium. Um, it was the first playoff win that I had witnessed in my life um, for Chiefs or Royals because Royals hadn't made the playoffs in 29 yeah. years. Chiefs hadn't won a playoff game since 1994. Um, and so that first playoff win to do it where they were down 
they're kind of like the Chiefs. I mean, literally the last decade, the amount of comebacks we've had in the Kansas City area is awesome. Like <laughs> down, they were down again, down again. And then, you know, um, what Eric Hosmer did, what Salvador Perez did, what just complete team victory. Uh, Christian Cologne, uh, you're talking about random roles at this point. Brandon Finnegan right. in there. Shout out big game James Shields for starting. So uh, I will never – that's that's my favorite because that's the first time I really felt happiness a little bit <laughs> that over the next decade we would have two Royals pennants in a World Series and then yeah. four AFC Championship games, two Super Bowls, and a Super Bowl. So, but at that, yeah. that at that time, that was the peak, and there you have it. Yeah, Man. 2014 and 15 was absolutely electric in Kansas yeah. City. 100. I mean, even uh, you know, Sporting KC they had just won the uh, MLS Cup the year True. before that too. Um in 2013 but just like from 2013 through 15 really like you said we got a royals world series the first chiefs playoff win in in our lifetime you know and uh getting to see sporting kc lock up that mls cup and then i think they won the u.s open as well in 2015 so <clears throat> what Shout a fantastic I'm, I'm glad you threw sporting in there because their mls cup win with the pks and really and colin and matt beasler and Grant, all that was guys. so insane I, I was a freshman down at missouri state and uh just watching that whole thing run it was i i, I watched it with i think the only other soccer fan that i knew because <laughs> like at that point i wasn't as big of a sporting fan as i've become but i think that was really important in building sporting's brand and that love affair so where that's where like i think of the royals in 2014 is that first time partly because sporting was kind of new to the the conscious at that point but i mean that's a super important milestone in kansas City sports history for sure i'm glad you brought it up absolutely no and, and of course that that wild card game against the a's incredible yeah, yeah, just yeah. watching that, that come back i love when those videos pop up and you're like you get to watch them all over again like two or three minute clips yeah yeah just relive it so obviously kansas city we love barbecue that's just uh the fact of the matter what's your go-to barbecue joint so i uh the kcd5 cbs station is right by joe's um so that's where i've just been to the most so i think i get i gotta go with can't be the z-man yeah, I'm not a uh, barbecue uh, like snob. Like I like them. I'll I'll eat them all. Like I like them. Like <laughs> it, it's maybe just because I haven't had enough as or had as much as most Kansas Cityans maybe. But like, man, just give me some good stuff and and I'll down it and I'll be happy. Are sure. you telling me this meat is smoked? Yeah, I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all it takes. <laughs> all right, favorite Kansas City athlete. Um you know rub shoulders with some of those guys sometimes uh yeah don't give me too much credit there but salvador Perez, <laughs> <laughs> salvador Perez follows me on twitter and uh retweeted a a thing that i did about him so i if i'm selling out i say salvador Perez, who actually <laughs> i think is probably the answer uh but i'm a big fan of travis kelsey as well just because he's really mm -hmm. genuine. and he's actually he retweeted me as well so Maybe I'm selling out for both. I'm, I'm a love show. it. Don't <laughs> need to love them. I don't be like, oh, you're my favorite. But um, Travis is a really genuine, uh, really competitive dude that um, that I that I think is great. So I would say current, I Salvador Perez. I'll probably give the edge just because the Royals aren't as big as the Chiefs right now, and I like giving the Royals some love. Um, but also, I want to shout out James Shields because he's like my OG favorite athlete. The way that he came in here and uh, changed the world's clubhouse and culture, I will always be a fan of. So there's your uh, off the wall. Since since Salvador President Travis <laughs> obvious, I feel the need to like throw in a, a 
unique one and James Shields is that unique one. So oh yeah. I wanted him to be a part of that 2015 team so bad, man. Yeah. No, he earned it. I mean, he like the way he came in to that clubhouse and just flipped a switch, like it's not a coincidence the Royals lost 90 games the year before and then they were in contention in 2013 with the way he carried himself and the way he helped with all the young players and really taught them how to win is uh yeah can't be understated absolutely and just make a football comparison for to james shields for those that maybe don't follow baseball as well he is alex smith of the royals he comes in turns the culture around creates the the chiefs feeling that we know and love right now and uh you know pretty big as you said it cannot be understated and talk about two genuine uh authentic guys and travis kelsey and salvador perez my God, great picks. As far as, you know, Travis Kelsey goes, have you listened to the new podcast, New Heights? Yeah, I pretty much all I've seen are like the clips that they put out. I haven't actually gone to, and listened to it. But no, I mean, that's a great example of his personality and and, and who he is. And, and he's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> Absolutely. And then finally, last question for you, and we'll let you, you know, get back to your, your evening. Again, we do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show's it's awesome getting to talk sports and Kansas City sports at that with you. Any bucket list item? So, you know, you get to cover sports here in Kansas City, obviously. Is there a bucket list item, maybe something that you haven't covered yet that you want to be uh, a part of and talk about on the, on the airwaves? It's a good question. Um, because it could I think even be that, something that you'd want to experience in person, too. Yeah, I mean, because part of the... Uh, misconception a lot of times with covering sports is the experiences that you actually have because like I was one of three people that went to the final four in New Orleans for the Kansas Jack basketball team uh, mm -hmm. in March um, I was the only one who actually got to see the ending uh, our right. person was out ready to go alive like in the street another one was waiting in the tunnel um, to do the interviews and so I actually got to stick around and then I ran out right after the we lost. So it's, it's and reason I bring that up, like the Super Bowl last year, I would have gone, but I wouldn't have actually been in the stadium at the time. And so it's kind of like, it's, it's very unique covering sporting events for a living. Cause you don't get to experience them the way fans do or the way that right. a lot of times want to, especially in, in TV. Um, so that's where it's kind of like, like the suit, the Super Bowl is an obvious one, but I'm not too, I think I would almost rather just watch the Super Bowl on TV. So I would have to say a Royals world series clincher in Kansas city, because I've never yeah. been, I've never been in a, a clubhouse with the champagne. So that would be actually, <laughs> that's what I will that's say it. is that, so it can be after a pennant, but I want to be in the Royals clubhouse rocking the goggles. <laughs> <laughs> that, if that ever happens, wow, that would be amazing. So that, that is what I'll give you whether that's for a pennant or a world series, but I think that would be my favorite thing to be a part of. That's gotta be the one. Yeah. That's gotta yeah, be the one. Cause you know, we clinched yeah. it in, in New York in 2015. So, um, yeah. man, what an experience that would be. That's a great oh, yeah. pick. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey Jared, again, thank you so much. It was great catching up with you and, and, and talking with you again. And, you know, we appreciate your time. Uh, we know you're busy, so thank you so much for for taking the time to join us here on on Let's Chief, uh, presented by the Fastest Forty, of course. And you know, 
you're always welcome on the show at any time. And I got a, I got a t-shirt with your name on it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Especially after I name dropped junior Hemingway. I didn't know if that'd send me out the door or not. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Hey, we love the, the deep chiefs history. So uh, thanks again. And um, we'll see you next time uh, we get, we get the chance to have you. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it.